Welcome to Chihuahua Bat 2.0. I'm Swan, one of the crazy Chihuahua Bats. The other, I call my partner in crime, Mala, uh, is not with me in studio today. She's actually at her studio uh, painting. She's an incredible artist. We are retired educators, 30 years in the public classroom, and we live to tell about it. And we both pursued our passions once we retired, and so Mala took up painting. She likes to oil paint with a palette knife, mind you. She doesn't like the brush much, and she's really, really good. And that's where she is today. And she's going to join me after the holidays. We're going to do a thing on the craziest things we've ever done in education. So that'll be a fun one. Um, my passion once I retired, I retired in 2018. She retired in 2014, so she beat me. Uh, my passion was I wanted to be an advocate for those still in the public classroom. I kind of wanted to be, right, no, kind of, I want to be the voice for those who are still in the classroom. And oftentimes when you work for a district or really for any company, um, there's ethics involved and it's probably best not to say a whole lot about what's going on. That can backfire, especially with social media. So I thought, you know what, I can be their voice. I can address things that are going on and bring those issues to light. Uh, and nothing's going to happen to me. <laughs> I'm no longer standing in the classroom. So that was my thing. And I also um, had a five-year period of my journey where I found myself standing in utterly unbelievable chaos. I say this all the time, but I swear to God, it's true. If anyone had ever told me that I would have been expected to teach in this environment, I just would have said, A, it doesn't exist, and B, it's nuts. But it happened. And so I feel passionate that I need to share this story because I think every educator is going to find themselves at some point in their career standing in chaos. And when that happens, you need to know how to survive. And so I wrote a book about this called Memoir of a Chihuahua Bat. Uh, you can find it on Amazon or my webpage, chihuahuabat.com. But basically, it highlights this five-year period where... They didn't have a room for me, and the principal basically said, but we have a space for you. And so when he opened the door and I looked in, I was utterly speechless. I really thought it was a joke. I thought they were pranking me because we used to play pranks on each other all the time. But then when I realized they were serious, I, I went into just panic mode. And thank God, Mala was my department chair at that time, and she and I decided that, uh, you know, we could whine and go to the lounge and, and bitch. That's not a nice word. Or we can make the best of it and stand up and be part of the solution. And, and we did. And I'm glad I did. So Memoir of a Chihuahua Bat, I encourage you to read it because I guarantee you in education, you're going to find yourself in chaos. Okay. So today I'm really excited to be back. I've been away from podcasting, just crazy things going on in life. And one of the cool things is I get to connect with colleagues and friends still in the classroom. And my guest today, she and I have actually talked before, and, and I like visiting with her because she's kind of new to the education process. So I like following her journey because it's current and it's fresh. So first, I want to say welcome, Rachel. Hi, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> oh, no, thank you for doing this because most of the time people go, what do I have to say? I go, just talk about your story. <laughs> yes. So so anyway, and when you and I talked before you were about two years almost two years into your career and we kind of talked about you know you started out student teaching and then you you know where you landed after that and then where you were at the time so just for our guests you kind of want to recap when did you 
start student teaching? And I started student teaching about three years ago. I had always thought that I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher, if ever amongst right. anything. And um, so I worked hard and I always picked grades around third grade, um, which is where I student taught um, in the area. And uh, after that, I went to teach in fifth grade in Austin and I loved my school. And um, I just didn't really love the location. And I really clicked with a principal from student teaching that I wanted to work for again, which led me to my second year teaching second grade. And I mean, everything you said in your book is correct. You never think it could happen to you until it does, right? Right. Here I am standing in my second year questioning my entire future that I've planned out since I was a kid. Like, what am I doing? Like, this has always been my dream. So why isn't my dream something that I like? Why am I not happy? (laughs) Yeah. Why am I not happy? This is it. And I mean, especially with last year, everything was crumbling with COVID and everything that like Adam puts on teachers, that teachers put on kids, it kind of like destroys my love of education, you know, and the more pride goes to the teachers who teach younger kids, because it's just a handful and a half. Oh, yeah. I I mean, you have two hands, but at the same time, you got to use them to take care of yourself as well. And uh, I think I lost some of that. So I was really trying to quit. I was done. I hated it. It was too much. You know, I, know, I remember we had that discussion. I was like, oh, I'm going to lose one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And my heart is totally there. But whenever right. like, you know, TA and admin doesn't have that same heart, you kind of lose your purpose and your you focus do. You do. when it comes to that. And I don't know. It yeah. like, wasn't what I thought. Exactly. And so, you know, I we had a discussion. You were at a real low point, right? You had actually resigned, and I thought, oh, I'm going to lose her. You know what I mean? But but on the other hand, I understood because last year, you know, the real dirty word in education was like COVID and right. remote instruction. And with your population, they were just kind of too young to handle remote. Yeah. And, you know, and parents can't sit by their kid all day long. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. A, they may not understand the assignment because it's different. Just because you've been through school doesn't mean you can do what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or they're working or, you know, they just butt heads. You know, I had one child I just could not study with. We could not do it. Or the parents just do it for them. And then you're like, I know your kid's not reading at a college level when they're seven. That was an issue. (laughs) I was talking to colleagues all over the state, you know, and when they they finally pulled them back into face-to-face Every district did it differently. That was so chaotic. Right. Uh, suddenly the grades started to fall. Just real interesting. Oh, uh, those hundreds. You know, very funny. Oh, your child's yeah. not a star? Right. <laughs> I'm shocked. Yeah. And so the good news is, though, you are still in the profession. So what are you doing now? Yeah. So after I quit, I kind of reevaluated and tried to look for other careers. But I realized where my heart was. I just needed to kind of tailor it a little bit. Right. And so I applied to really two schools. And one was, one of them was a middle school. And I thought, you know what, like, maybe I'll just change it up. I know older kids, like, you know, going into it, I thought I wanted to teach kindergarten. But as I got older with third grade and fifth grade, I was like, you know, maybe try it out. And so I really randomly applied. I got an interview the next day. You did. It was just bang, bang. Yeah, bang, bang. And I mean, I was blown away by the school and just how it was taken care of. And it turns out that principal knew my principal for student teaching and put me in good hands and called me the next day, offered me the job. And now I teach middle school English and I love it. It's a different world up here. Like I will never go back to elementary just because like I said, it's just too many balls in the air. But I think middle school hits my love of education because it's a little more like Mm -hmm. academically focused and the kids know how to be you could go more already. in depth. I remember, yes. yeah, you talked about that because I, I remember, you know, we were having discussions and, you know, you were talking about things you wanted to do, which fits you because you're very artistic and you love to do things like that. And I think I remember saying, well, you know, you 
maybe you could just try it one more year just yeah. to make sure. And you were like, nope, I'm pretty much done. And I thought, I, I get that because when I returned, I'm like, nope. <laughs> and I still do, am done with elementary, but I mean, right. I'm so glad I found secondary I education because they said well, it just changed the game for me. It, it did. Yeah. And I remember when you said middle school, me being high school, see, middle school was, was a dirty word for me mm-hmm. because yeah. that was going down in age. And I remember thinking. Right. She likes middle school. Because, oh, yes. Yeah. But given where you'd been, it made sense. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Instead of putting band aids on kids, you could actually. Right. Yeah. And it comes in a handy book, like, you know, yeah, from yeah. teaching elementary because I can tell where they've been. So it's way easier to teach them about where they are. Absolutely. And elementary teachers make the absolute best secondary teachers. Because you're used to small group instruction, mm-hmm. you're used to changing every 15 minutes, you're used to being extremely creative, and that's what's so needed in the secondary level. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I definitely bring color to the middle school world, because a lot should. of people are very, I feel like middle school teachers are more like, okay, get through the day, check, check, check. And I'm like, oh, in the land of elementary, it is rainbows and glitter and exciting <laughs> like faces and... Right. But I'm glad I bring that essence to the school. I'm so glad you do. And it kind of reminds me, people kind of look at you and go, oh. Oh, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) That's why I wrote the book. Definitely. (laughs) That's like very dry older men. And I'm like, what is she doing? And I'm over here jumping. I'm like, I'm so happy you're here today. (laughs) I used to go, we don't play in our class. Yeah. That kind of thing. And, and, you know, Maul and I were forever because we were foreign language teachers. And back then it was a very kind of translation dry small group instruction, student-led, none of that was happening. And so given my situation, when I was in this warehouse and that's all I had, I, you know, I couldn't lecture because I had another class in there sharing with me. So whole group instruction was gone. So I felt like I kind of invented student-led or small group instruction for yeah. survival. And so then that just morphed into all our creative units and we were taking the kids out because I couldn't instruct where I was drove the principals crazy drove everybody else they were like your what kids are doing? in the hall they're making noise yes they're doing conversations in the light they're using oh, yeah. it. you know what I mean Definitely. so I understand you know they and you know even when I left there they were still like those they were weird. They, you know. <laughs> yeah definitely yeah and now if you're not teaching like that people are looking at you like yeah when are you coming on board so right. I'm, I'm glad it went that way but I totally get that because people thought, oh, we played. Those kids didn't earn their A's. Right. And we were forever, you know, fighting that battle. All right. So now you're at a very a good place. Yes. Right. All right. And we're going to keep you right. Yes. As far as I, I do. I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay. So one of the issues I want to talk about, because last year the dirty word was COVID. This year it's 4545. Oh, yep. And for those that don't know, um, House Bill 4545 addresses kids that did not take the state-mandated test due to whatever remote COVID situation or did not pass. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. It mandates districts to, A, identify those kids and to pull them in and, to inter- and do intervention or supplemental instruction, right? Right. And true to form, the legislature will pass that. They'll send it through to TEA. And then TEA passes it to the districts. No funding. They just say, make it happen. Right. (laughs) Uh, And this year is sort of the grace period year, although you you do have to document you're doing it. It'll get worse next year, I'm pretty sure, (laughs) especially if the scores still come up. And and I knew scores. I mean, Algebra 1 across the state of Texas. Oh, my gosh. What a dive. But what 14-year-old is going to go home and do his math homework every day by himself? 
No, not happening. So we, we knew that would happen. So here's 45-45. And again, to my dismay, everybody's handling it differently. Now, a lot of districts got stimulus money for COVID, right? Mm -hmm. And many of them hired academic recovery coaches, curriculum interventionists. The names are out there, right? Right. So they put all that stimulus money into maybe two people for the district sometimes, not even per campus. And my thinking was, oh, my gosh, why didn't you hire extra teachers to handle the kids? Well, because that would make sense. Hello. (laughs) We don't do that. And so here we are with these recovery coaches and interventionists, again, pushing out information to the classroom teacher. What the classroom teacher does not need is one more thing on their plate. Oh, yeah. So tell me how it's being handled in your district, and then I'm going to share with the other crazy districts. To be quite frank, it's really not. I think, you know, TA, uh, like, pass it down to the district, not knowing that the district didn't know how to implement it to the teacher. And, I mean, we do have it, but reading it over, it's supposed to be, you know, one-on-one or small group instruction. Uh, one to um, three. Maybe. Yeah, one to three. Uh-huh. Guess how many students I have in my advisory? Oh, yeah. At least 15. <laughs> right. And they're all uh, behavioral kids or academically behind kids. Of course. And basically what they want us to do is go and find the lowest teaks amongst the group and kind of hit targeted intervention daily um, for about 35 minutes a day. The only thing is with so many kids, I find it really hard to find that constant. Right. right? And I mean, the whole thing isn't constant. I don't know why people are really just set on star from last year when star in last year isn't representative of anything. No. You know, it's like everyone knows you have to have constants to be able to measure. And if nothing's constant, how is it being measured? Well, it's not. And it's messy because, you know, like it's an extra job for us that honestly we didn't ask for and then if it's before school or after school with this like targeted they don't no no one gives us curriculum it's like here's what you need to do it's all just kind of make it up make it make make it happen make it up make sure it's good and so we've been working on you know lowest teaks amongst everyone like inferencing skills and things like that but at the same time to be honest I don't think it's really effective because no one knows what they're doing really I mean that's the truth in it they pushed it out to say we're doing it and they're going to turn in some kind of data right (laughs) some kind of data is just because they need something to turn in and you know sadly it falls on us to make it happen even though we don't even know how I mean, in, uh, coming from someone who's right. done elementary now to secondary, I especially don't know. And I'm right doing something with them. But I mean, I think that they're just making promises that they didn't really know that they could deliver. Exactly. They just need to cover their butts, right. really. So do any of your students have a intervention class they go through during the day or is it just through advisory? Um, there's two kinds. So okay. I have there's kind of been a debate with that because some uh-huh. of the kids that are in targeted advisory also go to resource reading and also are in an English class. Right. So these kids are going to three English classes out of seven. Or Those math, kids are going right? to yeah. hate reading. Yeah. I mean, anyone who knows anything about education knows the more you force it down someone's throat, the less likely they are to learn from it. Like, oh, here's a reading passage. Maybe you'll get better. Like, it's, oh, yeah. I mean, especially coming from a reading standpoint, the love of learning, or like to read, right. this is everything. But yeah, let's force it down. That'll work. Because we got to check that box. I know. I swear. I know. The Chihuahua Bat philosophy was if you teach them to love right. learning, they'll learn forever. Exactly. And for me, that means not 
testing them, you know, every other month, benchmark and things like that. You know, to me, I'm kind of like test them when they go in, test them when they leave and let everything else fall into place during right. the year. That That's my philosophy. Now, I know the business side of education probably won't let that happen because it's, it's spreadsheet driven. It's definitely. And, and I hate that. It, it never is the accurate picture of what's going on. So, so hypocritical. Uh, yeah, I, I have a. I touch base with colleagues all over. You're, you're kind of in the South Texas area. I have a, a niece who's a counselor, and she's up like in the Lubbock area. And they have uh, an advisory period, I think, or a class period. You know, they shaved off minutes mm-hmm. from the regular day, and they have a class where the kids are scheduled. But they also, I don't know that force is the right word, but they were strongly encouraging teachers to teach for 30 minutes after school, and they're paying them like a dollar a minute. So they're like, Three extra bucks. Will you teach these kids after school? Right. And they wanted her as you know, a counselor, and she goes, "No, I can't do it." Because she's kind of implementing all that during the day. Right. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, they're asking a lot, and uh, well, I haven't heard of anyone getting paid for the after school, even though it's well, a completely other job. <laughs> it, it is. And I thought, well, that's something they're actually, you know. And I'm, I'm assuming these are kids that are very low achieving and they wanted to pull them in for an extra 30 minutes again cramming it into their little brains so I thought that was interesting and then I have I reach out to people in central Texas and this just blows my mind Uh, this particular district it's smaller Uh, they they meet advisory which is really intervention they call it an activity period on Tuesdays and Fridays so there's like a 40-minute period. So they've shaved off from the other classes. Mm-hmm. They've come up with these 40 minutes. So every Tuesday and Friday, and they um, they assign you a group of kiddos. Mm-hmm. And uh, this particular teacher is a math teacher, so you know what she's getting. Mm-hmm. And she's uh, it's a one-to-three ratio. So she has 12 kids. She has four groups. And she also has two paraprofessionals in there with her because some of her kids – are so physically compromised that it's affected the cognitive. So you yes. have to deal with, you know, like they're, you know, hearing impaired, visually impaired. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are uh, like, you know, cerebral palsy. So just manipulating the computers an issue. So she's dealing with all of that first to get them comfortable. Now let's get to <laughs> what, oh, yeah. what are we supposed to be learning? She goes, and I have two paraprofessionals with me, but because these kids are, I want to say, if you know the term life skills, they probably came from that environment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as of 2000 and really 15, every student takes the assessment. There, there were some, you know, uh, exceptions to the rule, but now they make every child do it regardless mm-hmm. because they want everyone to have an equal opportunity. That's what they'll tell you. Of and I'm course. like, oh, right. right and these right, kids, right. I can remember <laughs> they were putting them up. These kids would come and go, I'm really not supposed to be in this class. I'm not smart enough. And I went, well, you're on my list. I'm pretty sure you're supposed to be in here. But I knew what the child was saying. Right. They forced me in here. He didn't feel good about it, or he or she. And he's like, you know, I, I, and literally I would walk by this child's desk, and, and he was just lost. Right. Because he was so far behind, and he needed one-on-one constant instruction. And I had like 32. So uh, yeah. So how is that happening? <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, so this poor teacher, you know, I visit with her. I said, how's that intervention going? She goes, you know, <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> and she goes, and I teach math and, I, and I'm struggling again because we're having to pull the teeth, you know, right. 
where they were not um, successful and they're trying, you know, like probability, I'm sure, and <laughs> right. math, you know, how do you do yeah, that? Probability and inference. Right. So there's that one. And then uh, there's another district in, in Central, which I think is doing it as right as it can be done. And that is they have, they pulled, well, they targeted the kids who failed miserably and then they pulled them out of an elective and put them in just one intervention period. So it might be regular English and then I don't know what to call it. Let's say resource English. So that way, you know, they're just going to two, you know, classes today. And I thought, right. you know, to me, if you've got an English teacher who maybe has one or two of those classes, or why not hire someone and say, hey, we'd like you to take over right. these kiddos. And we could, if it's done correctly, you could kind of see where they're deficient and maybe group them, you know, God forbid we group them homogeneously, what they need. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, that seems to be working. So I was just like, wow, that district got it right. But yeah, the only one. (laughs) Yeah, it's very messy. Yeah. No, they're being lenient this year because they have to. They have to. But (laughs) I think come next year and, and let's hope, you know, the scores are up because, if they're not, here comes another dirty word next year. <laughs> another piece of yeah. legislation. Yeah. So um, messy. It is messy. But that's kind of the thing that every year I was like, oh, this is going to be such a better year for teachers because the last year and a half was so hard. And then I hear 45, 45, and I went, oh, they've done it again. And yeah. so that's going to be the theme if you're, you know, if you're considering teaching is just every year. Something new. <laughs> They're going to put something, something on, on your plate. Right. Yeah. So you're in a much better place. So if someone comes to you and says, I'm thinking about teaching, what do you say? I'll say substitute around different grade levels and find what you like. Right. Because like I said, I really went in 100% knowing kindergarten teacher, I'm artistic, creative, like, oh, I love little kids that teaching them is a whole different category than loving them. And so I think if I didn't test out a bunch of different grade levels, I wouldn't know exactly where I'm at. But I mean, and like we were saying in our first one, I think it also matters who you surround yourself with. Um, I'm very lucky this year to have very positive coworkers instead of last year where everyone was like more like everything's stupid. I'm going to quit. Like, yeah, sometimes we know it's stupid, but you you just kind of plow through it and keep going forward because I mean, if you really have that educator's heart, it never goes away. True. It really doesn't. And to have a good attitude makes such a difference when you're part of a team that's collaborative and like pumping you up. And I'm very lucky with that this year. Right. And and I want to touch on that because, you know, I, in my book or in the podcast, I'll talk about the breakfast club, which really was a group (laughs) of crazy, crazy colleagues. And that's the only way I really got through my horrendous, really two years was they would just come in and they we would laugh and they do crazy things and we play jokes on each other which is what I needed because when you're down in you know the darkness going I can't do this anymore you don't need more whining and moaning right, right. you need <laughs> colleagues who are like you know yes. and we would kind of like okay if we can't beat them let's join them so, right. so we got a little bit rebellious you know <laughs> but that but I think it's important to have a group I think if you isolate yourself that's the worst thing you could do. Oh, absolutely. Education. I've the seen people thing. crumble by isolating. You need right. each other. It's a team right. effort. Right. Definitely. Right. One of my coworkers uh, used to be an elementary school teacher as well. And Uh-oh. so she has that same pizzazz and oh, good. style of fun as I do. And then I have another very, like, sarcastically dry older man. And okay. together, it's like a very fun team, though. So talk about breakfast clubs, all kind of personalities. Right. But right. we all have different roles, and they all complement each other very well. So. Yeah. 
and I, I like the diversity of that. You know, you got to have to have one older person uh-huh. to see yeah. their view. <laughs> and sometimes it, it makes you think, oh, thank God I'm not teaching like that. Yeah. But sometimes there's some wisdom there. You know, Absolutely. they can share some yeah. stories. You're like, Oh, good. You know. Yeah, and he comes from teaching high school, I know. So he, we both see opposite ends, but in our PLCs, it's everyone compliments our PLCs by how much our opposite pieces really complement each other well. Good. I like to hear that. That's how diversity works. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I want to say I'm just so glad you're in a better place. Thank you. So glad you didn't leave because I was like, oh, she's the personality we need in education. Yeah. And so uh, we'll, uh, we'll visit again. Let's let, let's keep check back the, in. Check back year. in. All right. <laughs> thank Thanks you so for much. listening. Oh no, thank you yeah. for sharing because most people are like, oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, I'll do it for you today. Okay. All right. So uh, that's it for this session. And again, Mo and I will be back after the holidays. Crossing our fingers, life doesn't happen, and with crazy things we've done in the classroom.